Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast from Reminder Media, where we talk about actionable ideas to help grow your business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. My name is Joshua Stike, Vice President of Marketing here at Reminder Media. And with me, as always, is Luke Acri, President of Reminder Media. Holla. And today we are going to be talking about writing copy that sells. Now, you might not be a copywriter, but that doesn't mean you can't start writing copy that sells your own services or product. After all, you are the expert on yourself. But where do you begin? What steps can you start taking today to begin writing better copy for your Facebook ads, sales, copy pages, and print marketing? We actually brought in our very own Dan Acri. Hey, Uh guys. He is our uh, senior web designer, UI designer, has been working here for about six years now. And I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. The reason, um, you know, you might think, well, web designer copy. How does that translate? I actually, when I started, I started in web design, and I never knew, probably for about the first five years of my career, that there were any such thing as copywriters. I didn't know that there were people that actually their only job was to write copy because as a designer, I think a lot of people would would relate to this. If you're in the design field, you kind of you kind of take on all of that. And even as a web designer, your job is always to be convincing someone to move through your page, move through your site, take action um, with with the product or the service that you're promoting, because that's what we're doing web design for. We're doing it to get our brand out there. Yes, if you so don't if you don't end up selling anybody, you, it's worthless. No offense, <laughs> right. web designers out there. No. So offense. it's cool. I mean, Dan writes a ton of copy for our most successful Facebook ads. Has been really working a lot on our sales pages and even long form sales pages recently. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring him in and talk about this. We are going to be kind of following uh, a framework of questions that you guys can ask yourself before starting writing copy. Uh, what is your intent of the copy that you're writing? Who is your audience that you're writing to? What is your medium? that you're writing for, and then what are the strengths that you have? So we'll kind of work through that as we go, and then pick Dan's brain a lot as we work through that. So the first one (laughs) is, uh, what is your intent? What's your goal of the copy that you're writing? Luke, I don't know if you have anything that you want to kind of add in there. Well, first I will add that I am definitely not a copywriter. So everybody listening to this, my heart and soul is in sales. I tend to be more of a person who, you know, it wants to be on the phone and talk to people. So Josh's comment of not even knowing what a copy or there was a such thing as a job of a copywriter. Still to this day, I don't understand. Hey, why can't everybody just it's just words, just write the words. <laughs> but the point being is what's interesting about this and, and knowing your intent, and knowing your goal, the more I've gotten into marketing, the more I've understood that everything you do Everything you do from the words you write, they all play a part in what I would like to call like the buyer's journey of people as they're going through the process, they're walking down this journey and this point of what's your intent is really you have to figure out it's Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. Where are you trying to get this person? What are you trying to get them to do? Mm -hmm. And that then will guide what you're, you know, I'm going to use the word script because I'm in sales and that's what I would do, but that's going to guide what you're going to say, that's going to guide what you're going to write. So for example, if your intent is to get them to download an ebook, it might be a lot different of a copy than if your intent is to actually get them to enter in a credit card. So beginning with the end in mind, for you, if you're out there, you're probably a realtor, you're probably an insurance agent, something like that. You've got to ask yourself, what's the intent of what I want them to do? Is it actually to go and see this listing? Um, And actually, you know, whether it's look at it online, or is it that I'm actually trying to give them a piece of content, you first have to determine what is your ultimate goal in this post you're about to do. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Dan, you work a lot with um, your brother. If you guys couldn't tell by the name and the, the faces here, yep. we have we have another brother yes. in the studio. So we interviewed. Yeah. I have eight siblings. Your younger brothers. Kind of crazy. <laughs> Dan, your older brother for, of Luke's. So That's tell right, us yes. you work with Stephen a lot on his copy <laughs> for real estate, writing, writing ads, writing copy for realtors. What are some of the things that you guys go through when you're looking at intent and how does that play ultimately into, you know, the, how you approach the copy? Yeah, so I am the the very introverted brother. So even <laughs> coming on this podcast is actually um, terrifying. No. Terrifying yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, when it comes to intent, I guess one of the big things um, that I focus on with whether it's our ads here at Reminder Media or um, Stevens ads is like everyone says you need to know your audience. Um, but along with that and kind of taking that to a deeper level, you really need to have empathy with your audience and know what they're thinking yeah. when they're actually interacting with your um, content. So if you're writing a Facebook ad, then it's got to be a lot different. You have to do something in order to grab or catch their attention to basically interrupt what they're doing on their feed because they're not there to, to read marketing or your style of copy. So you have to write something that catches their attention, grabs their attention um, versus on a landing page or something else where you're just kind of um, describing something. So it really, being able to put yourself into the shoes and specifically into the mindset of the person as they're engaging with that specific kind of content or copy um, is critical. Yeah, well, it definitely, I mean, intent and audience definitely go hand in hand. And I think what you're saying is one of the things you pointed out was so much more important than knowing who your audience is, is being, is being able to empathize with them. So if you're a real estate agent, you have to know if you're writing for first time home buyers. Correct. Are you writing for empty nesters? Are you writing for a family of four who's looking to move before the next school season begins? Because that's what's going to guide what you're writing what and how they're how they're reading it and connect with them on the emotional level. Right. One of the tips you even gave was to read reviews. Right. By yeah, those yeah. So I was gonna say if you're not naturally good at putting yourself in somebody else's perspective or having empathy, um, then a great tip um, for you is to go and just spend an hour or two reading the reviews of your clients specifically, because those are gonna be obviously your um, ideal people, but even the, the reviews of your competitors, see what people are saying, um, specifically for copy, see what kind of words they're using. So when they're complaining about something, they're going to be basically telling you their pain points. That's great. Um, so see what, like, what are the, the trends there? What are a lot of people using? What are the same words? And if you can kind of use that same language in your copy, you're much more likely to connect with people. Dude, that's an unbelievable sales tip. Yeah. So all the salespeople out there, that is a, I mean, it's a great copy tip, but that's an unbelievable sales tip of if you want to get great at sales, you have to understand your clients. An unbelievable way to understand your clients is to go look at their complaints. Yeah. Go look at the reviews they're writing, not just on your company, but look at the reviews they're writing on everybody's companies and seeing where they're complaining, what they're mm -hmm. doing, you know, where their pain points are. Um, there was a great sales tip. I forget who it was. I think it was the vice president of Wombly. He, he was asked, he's asked constantly, all of us in sales are asked this question of, what does it take to be successful in the sales? What's the number one tip you would give? And it's a very similar tip to what you just gave when it comes to the copy, but it was basically go and show shadow your client before you take a job yeah. go and shadow who that client of the company is pay them he said $250 to let them to let you shadow them for wow. the day because he said that will be the best $250 you've ever spent because you will be able to 
now understand what they walk through every day. So when you have a conversation with them and, you know, tying this back to our podcast, which is about copying, once you write the copy, you truly now, what helped me the most when working with Steven is I truly know what he experiences now. Right. I know when he wakes up, what he's going through. I know at lunchtime, what he's yeah. going through. I know at dinner, what he's going through. I, was I know say, the mindset. The, the same thing for me, just working with Steven and knowing like the struggles that he's going through and being able to ask him personally has been the biggest help in even writing our because we obviously we market to real estate agents. Um, so knowing what he's going through, what his pain points actually are, what problems he actually needs solved has been a huge help in just us writing our um, ads copy. Well, it's the number one. The number one reason people don't buy is fear. Correct. Right. Correct. It's fear of the unknown. It's yep. fear of something not working. It's fear of it costing too much. It's, it's the fear. value that right. you've presented does not outweigh right. the fear in their mind of the time wasted or the money spent. Yeah. And so when you're looking at those pain points, that's what you're identifying. Mm -hmm. You're identifying the fear of another bad experience that they may have had. Mm -hmm. So that's something that if you're if you're paying attention to that, and this all goes back to that idea that we talked about a couple of weeks ago of small data. You know, you have to pay attention to what your clients are going through. You have to pay yep. attention to what they're saying outside of the context. So I have a question business. for you guys then on that because yeah. I'm the I'm the sales guy. So if I sit down and and, and you know literally you know try to write copy today. I'm going to write the most clickbaity copy in the world. <laughs> like I'm going to try to throw that fear out there. It's just naturally, I guess, you know, oh, Grant Cardone calls it a power statement in sales. When you open yeah. in the first 30 seconds, you want to give that power statement. You want to give that pain statement, something that's going to hook them, grab them for the next mm -hmm. 10 seconds. What's you guys' suggestion? You know, we're talking about your intent. We're talking about what's your goal. But so you're, you're basically telling us we need to know who our audience is. We need to have empathy. We need to understand the pain points. Should our headline really just slam that pain point in people's faces? Like, what's you guys' opinion on that? You can. I mean, so, I mean, this is where testing always works. Okay. Right? If you know your audience and you know what your intent is, that's going to help answer that question a little bit better is whether you should okay. use the fear in the headline or not. You certainly can use that if you feel that that's going to be the most um, compelling thing to bring your audience into your next set of copy. Then it's just a matter of how are you wording that. Do fear. we find mm -hmm. fear works better than benefits? Have we tested that at all? Like I know we've tested a ton of stuff. I'm trying to think in my mind from a, a pain point standpoint yeah. on the phones with the scripts. Mm -hmm. We find that the fear sells better than the benefits. I, hmm. I hate maybe I to think, admit no, that, but the <laughs> truth is, guys, when we're talking pain, to you on the phone, the fear pain, catches you better it's than the kind benefits. Of, it's, it's two-edged sword, but pain and then the solution to the pain right. is always going to be a better motivator than just any specific benefit that you can point out. Okay. Because basically like what they say, because um, I listen to a ton of marketing gurus and things like that, is basically put people in pain with your headline and once they're in pain, and this sounds terrible, but basically you provide the solution and the ease to that pain. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea, but there's no real magic formula or way that it always has to be done. Um, it really just depends on the scenario. And like Josh was saying, like context, basically, if, if you're writing a Facebook ad, you actually do need it to be more clickbaity um, because you've got to basically have a pattern interruption where you, everybody's mm. used to seeing tons and tons of ads on their Facebook feed. They didn't come to Facebook to actually view an ad. So you have to grab their attention and then once you've grabbed their attention, you also have to give them enough incentive to click through your ad and land on your landing page. Yeah. So an example of that might look like if you're if you're addressing the fear, 
you might be addressing the, um, you know, uh, worried your house won't sell in time for your right. for, for when you need to move. Like that might be the fear. And then your benefits then in your sales copy, you want to shape that through very bold and succinct uh, paragraphs and mm -hmm. statements in how you're going to solve that pain. The inverse of that might be something a little bit more sensational or, or attention grabbing, which is sell your home for more. And then you're leading into and maybe getting them to take action with the fear at the end. You know, worried that your home might not sell or have you tried if you're let's say you're targeting expired listings, right? You know, don't want to go through that experience of having your house listed on the market for six months again and right. so schedule an appointment with me today. So then you're using that fear as a way to get them to take action. So you, you're you going to have to test both. There's no like like Dan mm -hmm. said, there is no magic formula. There's no magic bullet that's going to get it every time. But there's best practices that you can try. And as long as you're willing to test them and try different things out, um, the headline is your your is where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. So advertising, uh, you know, genius David Ogilvy, right. he says that 80% of your your money is spent on your headline. So out of every dollar that you spend on advertising, 80 cents is being spent on that headline. So are you spending 80% of your time on your headline? Right. We write sometimes 100 different headlines in order to pick one that stands out or a couple that are going to stand out that we can test against each other. Right. You have to be spending that time. I know it sounds like a lot, but this is your business. This is Correct. where you're generating yep. leads. This is where it's feeding your family. And your headlines can help with your sales pitches. Oh, absolutely. Your, your yeah. headlines, like ours. all the yeah. time, when you guys write stuff, mm -hmm. well, I take a lot of that stuff and go, man, that's really good. I'm going to start using that in, in the pitch. I'm going to start putting the script because you start seeing how people react to it. It starts helping you kind of evolve because your script is a living document. It's something that constantly, I know this sounds crazy to people. Mm -hmm. You think your script is something that's going to be consistent. No, no. Times change. Industries change. Pain points change. You got to constantly evolve. I'm not saying every day, but you got to evolve. This, what you guys are talking about leads us to that topic of mediums because you keep referencing Facebook yeah, and you right, keep yeah. talking about pattern interrupts right, and you yeah. keep, you know, a ton of your copy, like your email copy is going to be so different than probably, I shouldn't say so different, but it's going to be different than right. your Facebook copy. It has to be. One yep, of the yep. things that I noticed with us in our journey here at Reminder Media is we struggled writing sales emails our sales emails in the beginning of our journey, I felt were really wordy mm. and really, um, I'm not even sure how to explain it. Not like poetic's the wrong word, but they were like almost like a book. Like you felt like you were reading a book <laughs> yeah. versus you were talking to somebody. And I feel like on our evolution, and maybe this is a tip for the audience that's listening, is we found so much more success keeping our emails really short and succinct from a length standpoint of copy, but then also almost like raw, yeah. conversational. Yeah. I, I hate to say if you have a misspelling in there, it makes you better, but it kind well, of makes you more human. People don't think that it's automated. Right, right. Yeah. If you it have needs a to be, misspelling in your subject, people think a human typed right, it. Right, exactly. And that's, <laughs> so that's misspell key, every subject. The real though. key <laughs> is just being authentic. Like people, and this is the same, I know you guys have talked about this with sales, but people can tell right away if you're not actually authentic and if you're not really behind the words that you say. Right. So nobody, obviously, if you're writing a coworker, nobody is going to format this fancy um, HTML email with all these graphics and things like that to put in there to convince their coworker of something. It's just going to be point. a quick typed out email and the wording is going to be different. It's not going to be all this fancy grammar and, and formatting and stuff to um, convince them. You just want to make it short, simple. Basically, how you communicate with a coworker, to some extent, that's how you want to communicate to your prospects. Well, the thought process, let me ask you guys this. Do you guys read your emails? 
Like the emails you get, I know it's a crazy question. Oh, absolutely. Spot. Okay. Well, this, we, I read it with a different lens. Okay, you'd read it. To, yeah, because I, I read it with the lens of what are they doing <laughs> in their marketing maybe terrible right. to admit. I find myself not reading any emails anymore. <laughs> I literally find myself scanning yeah, and absolutely. looking. And so separating, separating the paragraphs, I guess you would call them, or, or sentences, basically, because not all of them are paragraphs, but separating it really quick so I can well, scan through. Se- I mean, yeah. the stat there is 79% of internet readers scan the page rather than reading the words and sentences. That's me. I promise you. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, it's everybody. Mm-hmm. The other 21%, I think we said this on our last post about blogs are lying. Oh, are lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure that's, why, that's why bullet points are so great for landing pages. But then there's the other thing where if you can get people to get hooked in that first sentence. So when they yeah. first interact with your page or your email, that first sentence, just like the subject line, if that can hook them in, like maybe with a question that they want the answer to, that you know they're gonna want the answer to, then you can get them to continue reading to basically just satisfy their curiosity and get to the point where basically you've given your whole pitch. They're just looking for that information that you hooked them with at the beginning. Uh, and then you can hit them with your CTA. Think about that. cadence and rhythm whenever you're writing also. you know, And this is what Dan is talking about specifically in terms of if you have something strong enough, if you've written a headline that actually gets them to your page or written a subject line that gets them to look at your email, don't think that you have them. Right. Make sure that that next sentence, that next headline is going to be just as engaging, opens up a new idea for them in their mind where they want to continue reading. And then your next one, your next headline brings them into that next section and picture the shape of the letter F when you're writing the copy on your page, because that's how people, if you watch these, um, they have like these eye charts, I can't remember what they're called, but they'll actually hook up cameras to really? people. Really, dude, that's so interesting. And they'll watch where their eyes go yeah. when they read online. Mm-hmm. And so in print, we tend to read, um, we tend to read left to right, uh, and then down the page, left to right, left to right, pretty consistently. And in print, hmm. you'll, you'll see columns, uh, columns of text, and you'll see, um, you'll see the shorter the column, the better, because it's easier for the eye to follow. I forget the number of characters, like 80 characters or something right, on a yeah. line versus, yep. um, you know, a full page of, huh. of type. That's why newspapers are columned out like that. But the um, on the web, we actually go across the page at the top, see if there's anything interesting. Then we go straight down. We skip the next section. Then we go a little bit more to the right see if there's anything interesting, and then we just go straight down the rest of the page. And you can actually see like mm-hmm. the heat maps of people's eyes moving down the page. So picture that that shape of the letter F when you're writing your copy, whether you're doing it for email, anything that you're doing on the screen, because that's what that's what your readers, are, their eyes are naturally going to. So focus on those areas. That's where you want your most powerful statements to be. Dude, that is an awesome tip. So let me ask you this, because if I'm listening to this as a real estate agent, you know, obviously I'm gonna try to do Facebook ads. Right, I'm going to try to do emails, but on Facebook ads, do you guys find that more copy on the ad works? Because here was the struggle when I started just messing around with Steven and, and messing around with some of the other agents that I work with, mm-hmm. is you start putting in a ton of copy on it. Do we find that more text on the ad works or less text? Uh, and again, it comes down to like... I know this is a deep it comes question. Down I'm to, just trying to, to get really it, practical There really is no, and like with anything... There's no magic formula. It just has to work with what. So it depends on what you're writing, who you're writing to, who's going to be responding. What like so if you're on Facebook, obviously it depends on what your audience is that you're targeting. Yep. Um, so if you are targeting millennials or people with really short attention spans, it's probably um, not to insult millennials, but <laughs> it's probably better to use less copy and just hook them in right away because they have even less patience. Um, but we've had scenarios where more 
text work. So there really had, is no, we wouldn't really give a recommendation to We've had ads agents. where you have to click see more to see the full text because yeah. it leads off with testimonials and then the, the text below that when you click see more kind yep. of reinforces the value statement. Those have performed as well as single lines of copy where okay. the headline mm -hmm. and the image match enough to get someone to the page. To, to complicate it even further, I know this is why we're trying to break it down into these questions for you guys Yep, because we're we're trying to give you the framework that will allow you to start taking action and doing things, not necessarily giving you verbatim, here's exactly what you should do, because we don't know your audience, we don't know your mediums, we don't, with us, it changes all the time. We had a landing page that had a single line of text on it and a single button, and it was our best performing landing page for a long yeah. time, close to like a year. Dan started working on some new landing pages that followed more of a long form sales copy. And you don't see those. Those used to be huge on the web. You don't see them as much, but I think they're making a comeback because I think naturally, even with our emails and everything, we're changing from, I won't say we're completely changing, but we are definitely changing from, if I see something that's super well designed and pretty in my email, I'm less likely to maybe read that because I don't think it's going to be as authentic. I think the same right. thing is happening a little bit on landing pages as well, where this is long form sales copy. This is stuff that we wouldn't expect, honestly, as marketers to for people to read. But then we would find from the analytics, people were spending an average of a minute and 45 seconds on this page. They're reading everything because the way that it's formatted, the way that it's written, mm -hmm. the way that Dan set it up is set up in a way that's bringing them down the page all the way to that final call to action. So in those scenarios, we've had two different types of creative copy and page designs perform just as well. Once one stopped working, we rolled out the other one and it started working. So it's right. going back and forth and moving between these um, and being willing to to throw out as many ideas as possible, controlling your variables, of course. Yeah. So like when so, we did that ad, it was, here's our ad with a lot of copy goes to a short page. Sure. Here's the ad with a lot of copy goes to the long page. And I believe the long page won in that scenario. Yeah. And the, like a good analogy for this is just to think of music. So like if we tried to force people into a specific format of music um, like every pop song or hip-hop song probably uses a similar style um, but if we tried to force like a jazz band to you know if you want to have a successful song you need to use this <laughs> format um, one it's not going to go over well with their their audience and two it's going to be a terrible song so you can perform a jazz song that's a hit or you can perform a pop song that's a hit and both of them work really well but they have to be um formatted for that audience and, and that style of music. So either style of music is going to work. You don't want to be too rigid in like what the formula is. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I would go back to the, um, Luke, you mentioned earlier about kind of doing formal versus informal, the way that our emails used to look. Think of, Definitely think about where your, where your buyer is at in that journey, because if it's someone that you've had a conversation with, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some guesses here, but when the short email started working better, it's probably because you had a connection, you had a contact, you had a voicemail, you had something with that prospect sure. that already had that conversation started. So they didn't need to see, it's like you didn't have to prove yourself sure. through the email, through the copy. You just needed something that would kind of elicit a response and push that conversation forward. And I think you're going to deal with the same thing in your own marketing. If you're trying to capture someone that you don't know, that copy might look a little bit different than if you're trying to capture someone you've had three conversations with and you're just trying to get them to the next stage, which might be scheduling an appointment, coming in to meet with you in your office. Correct. And I mean, next. in your medium, a lot of times is going to affect, like, uh, I think our conversational emails, just frankly, emails suck so much. We get so many of them. Right. You don't open them anymore. I think the conversational emails fool you more. And so you actually think it's somebody you know, you open it. But yeah. like on Facebook, 
you can't do a Facebook ad without an image, I think, because you're not going to stop. I'm not really going to stop and, and look at it. You need some sh shocking image or something that's going to actually make me stop and want to look at it. I look at the image 10 times more than I look at the, the actual copy. The image draws me into the copy, just me personally. Mm -hmm. So all these things we're saying, we're giving this framework, right? And we're telling people, hey, you got to know what your goal is. You got to know your intent. You got to know your audience to start guiding your copy. So we talked about in the beginning, Josh, the strengths of mm -hmm. what they should focus on. Yeah. What do you mean well, this by is, focusing uh, on your strengths? Just what you're saying right there. When you're writing copy um, and trying to figure out how to word it or how long to be or how informal to be, if you're a formal person, write formal. You know, don't don't go and be someone that you're not through your copy the same way that you want to do that if you were sitting down with a client and helping them on their on their uh, whatever decision or whatever service you're helping them with. Um, if you're a funny person, then be funny in your emails and your and in your copy. If you're a serious person, be serious. We were talking a little bit before the podcast, even the Gary V. You know, maximize your strengths, double down on your strengths, right. ignore your weaknesses. Now that doesn't mean that you can't grow, that you can't improve, that you can't identify areas. And which is and why, we have, Dan on the why we have Dan on the, the podcast, the introvert on the podcast, the introvert. <laughs> but what it, what it means is don't rely on your weaknesses for your for generating leads for your business, right? right? right. Yeah. Maximize your strengths and understand, and this takes self-knowledge of who you are, takes knowledge of who your audience is, but make sure that you are playing to that more so than, should I make this email funny? Should I make it short? Should I make it long? Should I make it poetic? Do what you're really good at, because you're going to find an audience that that resonates with, and you're only going to be that much more successful if you're trying to stay, if you're making sure you're staying authentic, not trying to be somebody else. Yeah, great, great, great point. It, it, all of these things, if you guys listen, and hopefully you're subscribing, please subscribe, staypaidpodcast.com, subscribe to our podcast, but all of these things are consistent. You think about our sales when we talk about the scripts and what we're doing in the sale. We're talking about copy. We've talked about social media. There's consistent themes because connecting with human beings, you know, yeah, these are different mediums and different ways we're doing it, but connecting with uh, human beings tends to be the same. You got to be authentic. You got to know who you're talking to. So it's just amazing to me as we get in these topics, just how everything is this ecosystem that plays together over and over again. And the truth is, is if you answer these questions that we've just talked about a little bit on this podcast, you're answering so many of the key questions to help you define your sales script. So you're answering so many of the key questions that help you do so many other things in your business, even though this t podcast is all about copy. Absolutely. So. That's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe in your favorite podcast application. Make sure to follow Reminder Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also post weekly coaching videos on YouTube. You can search for Reminder Media and look for the Above the Noise series in YouTube. So next week, we're going to be shifting our theme to perfecting your pitch. So this is going to be yes. kind of a cool... Uh, a cool recap of we did a conference a few weeks ago, and I got to watch in real time Luke Acri shifting his pitch, ever evolving it on the fly. And in the in, in the behind the scenes, I'm taking notes on. All right, now he's doing this. So we're going to share a little <laughs> bit of that with you guys. I think it'll work great on your client meetings, on your uh, listing presentations, whenever you're prospecting. There's a lot of um, just like with the copy. You know, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly tweaking, you're constantly testing to see what works. Dan, thank you so yes, much thank for you. being a awesome. guest on the podcast. 
It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> For this week of and this episode of Stay Paid, I am Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Akrin. I'm going to close with this, guys. Your action item this week is to answer these four questions that we've outlined for you. What's your intent? Who's your audience? What is the medium? And then what are your strengths? So as you think about the copy you're about to write, sit down this week because you're writing copy in your business, whether you know it or not. If you're writing emails, you're writing copy. Answer these four questions for the emails you're going to send this week. Take action on that. Comment. Go to staypaidpodcast.com. Let us know your thoughts. Guys, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. Take action on that today. Take action.